Anthony, welcome to the second episode of the new headline segment of the Real Quick with Mike Swig podcast, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm glad to, I'm glad I was able to get back on a little faster. I didn't know how long it'd be on the on the podcast side. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. I, I love having you on as a guest, and uh, I appreciate you coming back so soon and doing the headlines. A little intimidated. I know how good you are with this stuff, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you lead. I'll, I'll just give you the headlines, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about them. Perfect. Let's go. I think first of all, just to get your opinion. Is this a cool idea or what? So um, you know, you get a lot of podcast guys that have hosts, and they talk about the headlines just them every single week. Uh, having a guest come in, different guests, you know, all the time uh, that are fighters in the in the know. Uh, a lot of them have to do with the headlines or have been in situations similar to the headlines or you know, know things. Uh, I think it's kind of a cool idea. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good idea, especially, you know, with, with your connections in the sport, everybody respects you and, and they're going to be willing to come on and, and talk about things that maybe typically you wouldn't have a lot of, a lot of guys want to talk about. And you can find, you know, you know, it, it's easy for me to come on and, and, you know, I have a connection to John Jones. So it's easy for me to talk about that side of it. Right. Uh, I've switched weight classes. So I, you know, I have a, a little bit of insight that maybe some guys don't you start getting guys that you know have some sort of connection to that that headline i think it's a great idea yeah i think it's kind of cool um i'm gonna get a lot of coaches too i was thinking about that as well i had javier yeah. mendez come on the first time i'd like to get some other guys like whitman and rufus and some guys that have from a from a coaching perspective their opinion of some of the headlines as well instead of just fighters only you know and maybe some comedians as well i don't know just to be funny yeah they they definitely have a different, uh, it's always fun for me to see, uh, my coach, Mark Montoya. Yep. It's fun to, I always make sure I listen to, to his interviews or his, you know, his podcast segments. Cause he, he always seems to have a, a, a different outlook on a lot of situations than I would have. So, uh, I actually utilize him a lot for my own radio show and, and a lot of the analyst stuff, you know, if I'm having a hard time or, you know, sometimes I just don't know what one guy's going to do to another. And I, sometimes styles just clash and I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I use him a lot and, and he yeah. usually gives me some little nugget that I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. Right. It's just totally different perspective. Yeah, Big John McCarthy does that a lot to me. Like I watched a little bit of that show with him and, and Thompson and uh, you know, his knowledge from just being a ref for so long. You know, it's like his perspective sometimes I'm like, wow, fifteen fights in the UFC and I didn't know that at all. You know, it, <laughs> like a rule in fighting or something, I had no earthly idea. You know, so it's like I think you mentioned something about Sterling. Um he was just making a point, but he said because uh, Sterling had said that Peter Yan didn't uh, know the rules and he was a champion and that's wrong of him to be a champion and not know the, the rules but then Sterling had said something about you know he didn't know he was going to get the belt you know so it wasn't it was it wasn't planned per se and Big John was like well if you knew the rules you'd know you would get the belt which I mean I guess it's kind of a jab more than it was like actual a fact but right. it's like I didn't know that either you know it's like I, I talked about this with Javier on the first episode but I had no idea either you know it's like there's a lot of rules in this in the sport now yeah there, there's a lot of different different situations and i think we see it a lot recently the you know whether it's uh intentional or unintentional depend sometimes it depends on what rounds it in or what round it happens in uh yeah a lot of that stuff i i have no problem saying like honestly there's a lot of stuff i don't know uh i just fight and try not to break the rules that i do know and every once in a while you see some weird one pop up and you're like oh, okay well that's good to know it's a kind of old headline because I, I talked to hob about it um but just just real fast it, it wasn't on my list here um, what do you think about that as far as him getting the belt um, from Jan over a disqualification like that? And then what do you think about how he's handling it afterwards? Just your opinion. Yeah, see, and th those are those are two completely different different yep. issues, right? Yep. Uh, I, I was good with the way that it went. Um, I, I was very, very critical of the referee, as I always am. I'm, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I do put a I do put a target on my back sometimes from the referees because I'm very critical of them, and, and it's not in a way that's disrespectful. I'm not I'm not attacking them. I'm not I'm just holding them to the fire sometimes on, right. on some of these decisions. And I've been in that exact same situation with John Jones, and it's, it's everything happens so fast. And 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 I understand that as a referee, you don't expect you you're expecting this incredible title fight, and then all of a sudden shit goes crazy, and you're kind of thrown off. I get that, but. I think that we on, on shots like that. I think the referee needs to be. What's the word I'm looking for? A, a little more, a little bit more decisive. Yeah. Um, you can't leave it in the fighter's hands because, you know, Aljo's situation is a little different. But you take that out of it. I got up to my feet as fast as I could because I didn't want John Jones to think I was hurt. That's right. that, that's what was going through my mind. I, did, I wasn't thinking about titles or wins or losses. The fighters fight. Right. Whether we're hurt, blinded, rocked unconscious it doesn't matter we're gonna fight that's that, that's my instinct so although i am very happy 
that it went the way that it went. I was able to continue. And, and I, although I didn't leave there with the title, I left there with my pride. Uh, and I left there with the respect of the masses and, and my peers. You see me on the analyst desk. I have my radio show. I'm on lots of podcasts and nobody ever checks me. Yeah. Nobody tries to come at me about stuff because they respect me because I live that life. I do. I do. I've done it. I've said, I've said things like, this is who I am as a person. Here's who I am as a man. And this is who I am as a fighter. And I proved that time and time and time again. Absolutely. So because of that, I, I, I do have the respect and I do have the ability to maybe – I don't have people coming at me all crazy because they're like, you know what? That's Anthony Smith. He lives that life. He, yeah. you know, he has the right to say some of those things. Uh, I just wish the referees wouldn't leave that in our hands. I think that those rules need to be a little bit – a little bit more stringent. You know, you take a really hard cup shot. I think that gets lost in a little bit. Like I've been, Glover Teixeira hit me with an uppercut right to the nuts. Uh, yeah. And it just wasn't the same after that. Right. That's just how it of is. Of course, of course. Um, I'm not saying Glover should have been DQ'd, but I, I think that we need to have a little bit, like I feel like the referees are too afraid to take the heat. I think they pay t- pay attention too much to Twitter. Um, and, and I, you know, guys like uh, Jason Herzog, phenomenal ref, but he doesn't give a shit what anybody says about him. He makes a decision. And even if it's wrong, sometimes he stands by it and he, and he makes the, the conscious effort to be better the next time. Wow. Keith Peterson's the same way. That guy doesn't care what anybody says about him. He's there to do the best job he can. He doesn't care what anybody says. He makes the decision and he stands by it. Right. Uh, some of these other guys are a little bit inconsistent. So yeah. on the other side of that, um, I, I like Aljo. We got the same manager. Uh, we've had we've had dinners together. He's a great dude. But I, I do I do wish that there was someone um, close to him, maybe helping him guide his way through this media thing. Because right. I agree, media is hard. Yeah. Media is very hard, and, and it's the hard fans to are hard. it's hard to <laughs> to do the right thing. It's hard to say the right thing. It's it, you, sometimes you just want to be emotional and react, and everything that comes out of your mouth, everyone can twist and turn, and so you got to be very very careful. Um, and I understood the whole, you know, celebrating with his family and he did have people in town and you do kind of got to play that part and be happy because everyone else is happy or pretend to be happy. But, you know, the Henry Cejudo thing really rubbed me the wrong way a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, just the, just some of the the things that he says and it's just like, Aljo, listen, man, we get it. You're one of the best fighters in the world. Absolutely. But right now you have to sit down and shut up Just chill. and you yeah. got to go in there. You got to chill. You got to like you. No one should see you anywhere with that belt. Yeah. No one should see your face all over the media. No, you just got to sit down. You got to train your ass off, fix the problems you had in that fight because there was a lot of them. And then you got to you got to go in there and you got to you got to earn it. You go in there and you beat Peter Yan and all this goes away. But you got to focus on that. Right. So that's 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 how I look at it, because that's I think that's how I would do it. I, I would never hold that belt. You'd never see it in a picture. D.C. said something very similar to that as. When they took the belt off of John Jones right. for the failure and gave it back to DC, you know, he said that he, no, he didn't he didn't carry it, he didn't wear it, he didn't want to take pictures with it. And and I think we didn't we don't hear anything about that with DC. No one's ever saying like, oh, DC was a fake champ or you know, he's this or that, because he he, he acted accordingly. Right. I'm not the champion. Maybe I do have the belt, but I still need to go in here uh, and I need to earn it. And and I think if Aljo took that approach, I think it'd be a lot different. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, I think what could be happening, too, is like my first few fights in the UFC, luckily the, the fans weren't too critical, but I acted a lot more cocky than, than I should have because I'm a very humble guy and like I don't try to be cocky. Even now people look at my Instagram and they think I'm cocky, but I'm selling a gym. I'm selling a lifestyle. I'm 41 years old. I'm selling that I'm in shape. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I'm trying to be cocky. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm inspirational to a lot of people. But um, in my first few fights in the UFC, I seem kind of cocky because some of the guys from The Ultimate Fighter, or all of us actually, uh, you know, for for the most part, from the fans and the fighters in the UFC, we were looked upon as guys that didn't deserve to be in the UFC, and we were looked upon as guys that got an easy easy way in, and so we had to prove ourselves. And so every time I won a fight, I won five in a row. I wanted to throw that back in their face. But when you're publicly talking to a microphone on TV, you're talking to not them. You're talking to the world, and the world's hearing what you're saying, and they don't know the backstory. They don't know who you're talking to. So you know, it could be with Aljo. He's you know, he's, he's reading a lot of comments and talking to those guys, which you should ignore those guys, and they maybe have an effect on him as well. Um, but I agree with you 100%. I mean, like, it's, it, if you're going to say you don't deserve the belt or you don't want it, act that way afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, kind of be humble mm-hmm. about it, and people will respect you more. Um, that being said, I also think it should be a case-by-case basis, kind of to some degree. I know it's hard to, to judge, but when you take such a hard blow like that, you know, they've questioned even interviewing a fighter after a fight. 
you know, when he's taking a, a knockout or he's concussed or something like that, Aljo could have very likely been concussed. To leave the fight in his hands and ask him if he should continue, like you, for instance, you're such a fighter, you're going to say, yeah, but you could be destined to, to lose that fight because of that. You know, of course it's going to change the fight. 100% it's going to change the fight. There's no doubt about that. How much? That's the question. And if you say you're ready to fight, I don't think it should be up to you. It should be up to maybe, maybe the corner or definitely the ref and the doctor, uh, maybe a replay or something. So I think that should be also another thing that, that should have happened as well as asking the fighter a lot of times um, after certain things because fighters, a lot of times fighters are going to continue, you know, and uh, they might not should continue. This didn't happen in this case. I was just bringing this point across because I've seen it happen before. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Mark Montoya would love you for that statement. He, he absolutely agrees that, that the coaches need to make that decision because right. they know – they know the fighter better than anybody. Yes. So you go in there and say, "All right, man, I think he's all right. I think I think he's I think he's where he was before. Um, let's keep on going." But they're going to make that decision solely based on the on, on what's good for the fighter, and we're not going to make that decision. We're just going to mm-hmm. try to put one foot in front of the other. So uh, I think that that point right there stands out a lot to me. I mean, we've seen so many fighters take so long to make that decision. At least at that point, you got to get somebody else. If you're asking the fighter and they're having a hard time deciding whether they should continue, you should automatically give them like, like 10 seconds, one question. Do you want to continue? If they're like, yes, I'm ready. Okay, good. If they're going to sit there for a minute deciding and talking, like, ah, and saying their head know. hurts, <laughs> saying they're seeing double, you know, saying, saying things that are saying that they shouldn't continue, but then you ask the, the official question, uh, how many you know, hands and fingers am I holding up or whatever the case it is, and they answer that, then I think it should be someone else that an, you know, answers that final call, in my opinion. We'll, we'll move on, but um, great insight, great, and I agree with you 100% on that, um, and I uh, appreciate your honesty. Um, John Jones, obviously, you, you knew coming in this was going to be a big headline. Um, you know, John Jones is a guy who is one of the arguably, arguably one of the greatest of all time. I think this is the fight that could do it, though. Like the Nganu fight is the fight that could actually set him apart as being even more uh, the greatest of all time. I think that's an opinionated rank, in my opinion. I think people are going to have their own greatest of all times for different reasons. So I don't think that's an official rank anyway. But he will definitely be one of the pound for pound greatest if he beat Nganu. Definitely after this fight. Um, Instead of waiting for the fight and, and, and trying to win that fight and get to that status, he's taking the approach of going against the UFC, going against Dana, which I think has never been a winnable option when it comes to making more money. And usually, like we got guys like Connor that's went against Dana and many other guys that went against Connor or went, went against Dana, the pay-per-view numbers won. You know, the, 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 the people in the seats and the people who paid the money won. Um, John Jones doesn't have those numbers. So... I just think, you know, I agree that all fighters want to make more money. I've never been to that level where I could, like, you know, see pay-per-view numbers and, and fight for championships. But I just think his approach of going about it is wrong. And the whole cut me already kind of thing, I mean, he's definitely not going to make that money anywhere else. Who's going to pay him? I mean, we've seen him boast about the money he's made. You know, we've seen him talk about, you know, yeah, when I made my first $10 million, I was that age or something, responding to somebody or, or something like that. So he's boasted about making good money. He definitely makes good money. Does he deserve to make more money? Maybe, you know, but I think if he won the fight against Nganu, he would have a hell of a lot more leverage to talk then uh, and try to get the money and be on the, the side of the UFC and, and being, a, you know, I'm kind of biased being close with the UFC and, and always being close with Dana, but just knowing Dana, I think going against Dana publicly is not just, that's just not the right answer in my opinion. What do, what do you think about the whole overall situation and do you think he's afraid of Nganu or do you think he just wants more money and do you think he's going about it the right way? No, I, I, first and foremost, I don't think John Jones is afraid of anybody. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think because John and I's fighting mentality, at least, is very similar. I would fight. I would fight Francis and Gunner right now. Right. Because that's just who I am. Um, so I, I don't believe John is af- is afraid of Francis and Gunner. And honestly, to be very honest, I, I I think that John knows exactly what I know. I know that John Jones beats Francis and yeah. and I don't think it's going to be that exciting. Uh, I think that he picks at him from the outside. I think that he's too fast. I think he moves too well. His, his range management is too well, or is too good rather. Um, and, and I just don't think Francis gets the chance to land that big shot. Um, John Jones is not going to stand in front of him like Stipe did. Yeah. Stipe again, another friend of mine. But you know, Stipe will stand in front of you and and, and be hittable. You know, in, in three fights, Stipe absorbed like 311 strikes mm. to Francis Ngannou's 45 strikes in three fights. Yeah. So. Like those numbers stand out to me, and that's yeah. that's just what Stipe is. John Jones is not that guy. Yeah. 
I have a really good knack at finding people's chins. Uh, I've had it my entire career, whether it's in the first round or the fifth round. Um, I've always been able to find them. And I had 25 minutes and I couldn't find John's. Uh, he's, he's hard to hit. Yeah. He is. He's, he's and, and I'm much faster and, and sneakier yeah. than Francis Ngannou is. Uh, by no means is powerful, but I, I, I do believe that I'm more technical and faster than Francis. And I couldn't get to it. So um, as far as the money thing, it, that, that kind of weirds me out. You know, Rashad Evans made a really good point to me uh, last weekend that, that kind of that really opened my eyes. Um, I don't know why John Jones gave up the title before these negotiations right. were already in place. So Lost like leverage. Rashad, Rashad made a, a great point. I never even thought of that. Like he gave away his bargaining chip yeah. and now is crying about it. You know, yeah. I think that we all deserve to be paid more. Um, but like you said, John is not going to make that money anywhere else. Uh, there's nowhere else that has pay-per-view buys, you know, like John's base pay is like, you know, it's 500 grand to fight but he makes all of his money on pay-per-view and he does well enough to where he's not going to make that in Bellator. Um, he's not going to make that at one. He's not going to make that, at, no you know, in the PFL nowhere. So he, he's kind of barking, but the, the, those of us in the know know that he's not going to make that anywhere else. And, and I, he's been, he's been upset about this money thing for a long time and he just goes about it the wrong way. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to stand here and, and count John Jones money, but if I was going to be in negotiations, these these any any time I've negotiated with the UFC, they pay me way more than I would make anywhere else. Me too. Else. Yep. And it's it's these are closed door dinner and a drink conversations. Like I'm not going to go back and forth with you over a, with a manager. Right. Here's where I am. Here's where you are. Okay. Now me and my manager, let's go. Let's fly to Vegas. Let's have a conversation. Let's go to a dinner, and let's talk about this and say. Here's why I feel like I deserve this. And then they'll give you the same thing back. Here's, here's why we don't think you deserve that. And then some, at some point, you're going to meet in the middle. Right. Like John Jones is never going to get what he wants. And the UFC is never going to pay him as little as they want. There's, there's always a middle ground. So he, he's just so offended by it. Uh, you know, and, and that's always, he, he's just so emotional. And that's, and that's John Jones. You know? and, and you know, I think that part of that, you know, his emotional instability sometimes is, is what makes him so great. You know, if I'm, if, if I'm being very honest, I yeah. think that the things that make him as great as he is, I think sometimes hurt him in his personal life. Right. Uh, I think that we have all, I think all of us have kind of been, uh, been victims, you know, kind of to our own personalities. The things that make us such phenomenal fighters are sometimes not necessarily things that go so well in the real world. So I, I don't know, man, I, I, I want to see the fight. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a crazy money maker. And, and I just, I, I, you know, I just, again, he's one of those guys who just want to pull the side and be like, this is not it, man. This is not the way to do it. If you can name one person that's ever gone, you know, with that public fight with the boss and benefited from it, you know, I, I'd be willing to listen, but I can't think of anybody. Yeah. And, and you know, you look, you have to look at guys. If you're in John's Jones or John Jones position, you have to look at guys that are making the money you want to make, right? You got to look at those guys and then find out how they're they're doing it, how they did it, like the Conor McGregor's or whatever Habib and stuff. And they did it by winning fights. They did it by showing up. They did it by selling fights. I think, in my opinion, you know, again, I'm I'm very lower than you guys, but uh, in my opinion, I think he should sell the hell out of this Ngannou fight and spend all of his time building this fight right now. And then if he wants to take a stand before, then he can take a stand and say, look. I want, to, I want to fight this fight, but I need this amount of money. And then they negotiate. And then he does it either way because he's going to make more money in this fight because if he sells the fight, he's going to get pay-per-view buys. So whatever, whatever exactly. the points are behind, he's going to make more money, right? So, and it already, without even selling the fight, has the potential to be one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest fights of the year. So it's like if he spends a lot of time selling the fight, getting in it with Ngannou, you know, showing training footage, talking about Ngannou, I think that's going to be way more beneficial for him getting a bigger payday than battling UFC and going back and forth with Dana and then possibly sitting out making no money and then Derek Lewis gets to jump in and get that paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Well, and then what What if he goes in and beats Francis, gets the title, now you have a bargaining chip. Right. Now sit Absolutely. down and be angry. You know, like... Sit down as the, as the champion with, with the belt. That's a little bit right. more leverage, you, you know? That's a that's a big bargaining <laughs> yeah. chip. Now you can sit in that office at the UFC headquarters with a big 12-pound gold belt and say... Now here's what I want. Right. And now you're no. Now you got a little bit of weight you can throw around with Dana, but you know, as you know, we, we can talk about his accomplishments all yeah, we want. But course. at the end of the day, he's an unranked non-champion right now. Yep. 
And the thing about it is, uh, Ngannou's the favorite by the odds. And I agree with you, though. I think John Jones can beat him. Um, I think the, the mm-hmm. reason people want to fight or watch the fight is Ngannou could also beat John Jones. I mean, he, he has that power to knock out anyone. Um, but the way he moves, his cardio, um, his fight IQ is not quite to where John Jones is. And I think John Jones is a smart fighter and will do what Francis did, but do it the, the right way. And, and I think Francis can beat him too. I'm sorry, uh, Stipe. I'm calling uh, Stipe Francis. I think Stipe can beat him as well. I, I think he could beat him, uh, you know, multiple times out of 10. I don't know exactly how many, but I think he could. I think he fought a bad fight. And, uh, you know, he obviously had the blueprint the first time. I think Ngannou did get better. But I'm with you on the fact that John Jones could win this fight, and I think that's the way to go. Instead of arguing with the UFC and causing a big stir, this kind of publicity, I think, is the same as like uh, after a fight and you lose and you complain about an injury. It's kind of that way to the public. And so it's kind of hurting his – is tarnishing him versus helping him. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. And, and all of it is just distracting from the fact that, that you know, it's, it's distracting everyone from what John really wants everyone to say. Everyone wants John. John Jones wants everyone to say that he is the greatest of all time. Listen, we all know me and John Jones don't get along that well, but I have no problem saying that he probably is, at least in my opinion, the greatest of all time. Uh, but all this stuff is distracting from that. If you're the greatest of all time, yeah, we're not. This isn't like John's getting ten and ten. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's already pay per view. He's going to make millions and millions of millions. Wasn't there any beats him? And John wants to complain about being underpaid, you know. I'll uh, it's one of those situations. Like I'll, I'll sit down and shut up and just let you go get paid, I guess. Like, but right now, you know, you're kind of moving up. You haven't fought in a while. There's a little bit of controversy, and you know, in your last, you know, couple fights. Um, I, I just think that John needs to remind everyone who he is, uh, and then he can have some of those conversations. All right. So this is not a headline, but this is a deadline. If you want to save twenty percent and get free shipping on the best below-the-waist grooming products on the market, go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use code QUICK, my nickname, uh, not how you use the product, uh, and that supports the podcast, and you get 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now they're available in Europe, Canada, and Australia, not just the Americas. So go to manscaped.com today, enter code QUICK, and save. Thank you guys so much. Another headline being Dustin Poirier turning down a title fight to fight McGregor. I think it's a good move. I mean, he, he wants a big fight. So smart. That's a good move. Right? I mean, there's not much to talk about that, I think. I think it's, you agree with me probably, and that's, that's the right move. He beat him just now, fresh, recently. You know, it's not much is going to change for the next fight. Um, I think it's good. What do you think? Yeah, you know, um, you know, if you're Dustin Poirier, he's making so many smart business decisions and in, in, in career decisions. You can either fight for the title, and, and we're talking money. Uh, I, you know, most people are going to say, "Well, go fight for the title, win the title." Um, you know, then you're then you're going to be the pay per view guy. Like, if you fight for the title once, there's no Connor. Like, if you take the title fight now, there's no Connor. Right. So, you can fight Connor and still fight for the title Absolutely. as long as you beat Connor. So, um, he's going to make way more money in one fight with Connor than he's going to make in two or three fights as the champion. So. You might as well go, go get that paycheck over a guy that you just beat. Uh, the momentum's going your way. Get a big old fat check and then roll into a title fight with whoever wins between Chandler uh, and Oliveira with a whole bunch of hype, a whole bunch of money, two wins in a row over Conor McGregor, uh, and then go fight for the title. So it, although he is the, you know, I think typically we like to say we want the two best guys fighting for the championship. Yeah. But, you know, I think – and. I'm a I'm a Dustin Poirier mark man. I'm I'm a big fan of that guy. Um, this is one of those things where it's like, this guy's put in the work. He's put in the time. Um, he's kind of holding it down for the good guys. Let him go get paid and do his thing, and then come back and fight for the title. Yeah, I agree. I'm a Dustin fan too. And the good thing is, is he did lose to Connor, so it's like it's a sellable fight. You know, if it was just one fight, yeah, it's a rubber and, match. Yeah, if, you, if it was one fight and he knocked out Connor, it's like less sellable now. But the fact that mm-hmm. Connor did knock him out and then he knocked Connor out, it is actually sellable. Um, and then now we have Connor, you know, having a recent fight against him. So now he's kind of back active again. Um, it's a lot more sellable now, I think. So it's going to come out a little bit bigger than it normally would have been. So I think it's good timing and it's a definitely the right decision, in my opinion. Yeah, it's good. It's good for everybody. Uh, and it's good for Connor. Again, people do forget because it was so long ago. Like Connor did beat Dustin. So um, it's one of the, like, do I think Connor will beat Dustin the third time? I don't believe so. But 
if it, I think it's the safest fight for Connor right now, to be very honest. You, you mentioned a while ago uh, Chandler and Oliveira. What, what do you take on that fight? How do you think that fight's going to go? Uh, I, you know, I, I used to not be that big of a Michael Chandler fan. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I don't know if it was I caught this this weird arrogance or I just always had this weird – got this weird vibe from him kind of in the media. Right. But since he's been in the UFC um, – I've actually kind of really, really become a big fan of that guy. Uh, I like his attitude and, and how he approaches the sport. And he, he came in very humble. He didn't come in like, I'm the baddest motherfucker in the world. Yeah. I'm going to kill everybody. You know, he came in super grateful to be there, uh, confident in his skills and abilities, but very, very aware that everyone else has put a lot more work in this organization than he has. Uh, I thought that was the perfect way for him to come in and, and really, uh, you know, make an impact on the fans and, and really gain a, a quick fan base. And I, and I think this match with Oliveira is a, a great matchup for Michael Chandler. Um, Oliveira's put in a lot of work. He's been around a long time, and he's, he's growing a lot, too, even later on in his career. Uh, I think the Tony Ferguson fight was, was a really eye-opener for me. You know, Not only is he a phenomenal grappler, he's got really good top control, too, which yeah. we haven't seen in the past so much. Um, his striking has always been, it's always been good, but he, he's, been a, he's been very much a bully fighter. So he's, in the past, he... He, his striking has always been sharp and crisp, but he kind of just puts his foot on the gas and goes. And if he can't get you out of there, he tends to kind of back off and get nervous and seems to fall apart. He hasn't been doing that recently. Mm-hmm. His, his composure is really held up. He's, he's you know been a lot more mature in there and, and really chipping away people instead of kind of being the home run fighter where he just wants to keep swinging and if it doesn't work, he's kind of out. So uh, I, I am leaning towards Chandler because I do think that I think you know we haven't seen Chandler dominated by anybody on the ground. If he takes people down, and typically he, that's just where they stay. Yeah. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see Oliver being being able to catch Chandler. I don't see Oliver being able to take him down. Um, and I think Chandler just hits too hard. I, I, I don't think I, I don't really see Oliver wanting to play around in the pocket too much. So I think it's just kind of a nightmare matchup for for Charles Oliver. Yeah. And uh, as far as uh, Chandler coming in, it's kind of hard to come in this division and, and be too cocky. You know what I mean? Like it's a tough division to come yeah. in and act like act like you're going to be a, a badass and, and beat everybody up because it's a man. It's, it's one of the toughest divisions in the, in the sport right now. I think I, it, it might be the toughest division. You know, across tough. all companies. You know, yeah. it's it's tough. it's crazy. It's so much, and you know, then then that takes you right back to to Dustin Poirier, like what a monster, yeah. you know, like other than Khabib, yeah. that dude was, you know, the baddest dude on the planet, you know, at 155. So it's cool to see, you know, to see Dustin just puff his, you know, puff his chest out and say like, I am the baddest dude in this division, but I'm going to go get this check really quick. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, I'm honestly, I'm happy for all three of those guys. They kind of figured out a way that everybody's kind of happy. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, you typically see a bunch of pissing matches and I want the title and this guy wants the title and, you know, then there's this money fight. It seems like everyone got what they wanted. Yeah, and get this check, but also put on one of the fights that everybody wants to see. So it's it, you know, it's, it's he's doing yeah. two things, and and I agree with that 100. percent And it's interesting that one of the greatest of all time of that division, uh, Habib can leave, and and it's still one of the toughest divisions in the sport. I mean, it's like the greatest of uh, possibly of all time in general, but definitely that division walked away, and it's still a murderer's row of guys. So it's like. I agree with you 100%. Um, as far as Ben Askren, well, how good how good was Khabib? Amazing, yeah. That I mean, that's even, that's that's crazy to me. He didn't even really have too many close fights. Yeah, <laughs> that's just it's mind blowing. Like you look at the division now, yeah. and you, like you name all these guys, like this guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and you're like oh, Khabib smoked them oh. all. Like that's nuts. Yeah, that's so crazy to me. It is crazy, man. He's, and I think he's going out good on his own terms, and uh, he's got so much after. He's actually coaching alongside Hoff and. Uh, where they're in Vegas now, but they're gonna. I think they're gonna do some stuff in Vegas together, and, and it's gonna be really cool. He, he loves coaching. I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting to be a fighter, especially as long as he has. You know, I've been a fighter in MMA since maybe '97, but you know, in in some type of martial arts, less than MMA, less strenuous uh, for 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 longer. But he's been in pretty much like M- MMA sambo type of fighting for so long, and he's still he's got the passion to coach and, and be along these guys and and help him and, and do his thing. So he's, he's right alongside Hav, helping coach uh, Luke and obviously his guys, Islam and Abu Bakar and Usman and Umar and all those guys as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool seeing, you know, seeing him in there, being the guy that's holding the spit bucket and, yeah. and you know, the mouthpiece and giving them the water. And 
uh, when I, I worked the desk last weekend or, or maybe it was a weekend before and I, I, for the main event it was Brunson, um, Holland. And I went out and watched the, the fights. I sat behind Dana and I mean, he's just, it's, it's cool watching his passion cause he's just, he's so into it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I'm just happy for that guy. Like, you know, it's cool to see one of us get out and on top, I agree. you know, bank account full, happy, got your brains still young. Uh, that's, it's uh, that's inspiring. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent Still, kind of big headline right now is Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. Kind of a two-part question. We can talk all day on that. Uh, what do you think about the Ben Askren Jake Paul fight from what you've seen so far leading up in the training footage they put out? And then also, what do you think about Logan Paul versus Mayweather? I mean, Mayweather obviously, arguably not not even really arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time, who beat Canelo fighting a guy who's 0 and 2 against guys that aren't even boxers. Um, but just two-part question. So first, we'll hit with uh, Ben versus – I'm sorry, uh, Jake Paul versus Askren. What do you think about that? You know, I, when it got booked, I thought, I thought Ben Askren was going to get his ass kicked um, initially. You know, just – in, in, in no world is Ben Askren a great striker. Yeah. Uh, and I think Ben would tell you the same thing. But – and then, you know, you, you, watch, you watch Jake Paul knock out kind of some of these no-name guys that, that don't really have any business being in there. You're like, well, I mean – he's at least doing it right. Like he's actually training and, and seems that he's really putting the work in. Like we can argue all day about any of his, you know, so-called accomplishments, but at least he's trying. Um, it's kind of the same argument I had with CM Punk. Like everyone kind of shit all over him, but it was <laughs> like, man, the dude's trying, like yeah. he's actually putting the work in. He's doing the best he can. That's all I can really ask for. Like I'm not expecting him to be good, but, um, he's, he's playing the part. He's doing the things the right way. And that's kind of how I felt about Jake. But then he's kind of put out these, these, training videos and I never really watched him. I just kind of watched him fight. Then I watched him train. I'm like, wow, he's really not that good. Um, and like Ben's really not that good either. So it'd probably be a pretty close fight. Um, and then I seen the the press conference you can tell a lot from press conferences. (laughs) Uh, Ben was very comfortable and very, I don't know, kind of been here, done that. This is kind of my, you know, I'm, I'm here in the fight game. Um, and I hadn't been too critical of, of Jake Paul too much. He was like, if people want to fight, let them fight. You know, like I think everyone deserves the right to get punched in the face if that's what they want, really want to do. So, but then seeing Jake Paul very uncomfortable, uh, very machismo, you know, trying to be the tough guy, but like really not rattling Ben at all. And it was very uncomfortable for him seemingly. Um, and then some of the things that he said, like Ben would start to talk and he would say, you know, this is the fight game. And I was just thinking, who are you yeah. to tell Ben Askren yeah. about the fight game? Yeah. You know, it was like the first time he got really silly and stupid. You know, Ben kind of face palmed him and like Jake was very uncomfortable. Like he, yeah. didn't, he didn't know what to do like that. He didn't know what to do. You know, like you see two fighters and one pushes the other. They typically it's almost like a snake recoils. You get pushed and you're snapping right back. He didn't really he kind of got lost and fumbled around a little bit and kind of slapped Ben in the, you know, the butt kind of. That was when I was like, you know what? Ben Askren might beat his ass yeah. um, just off of just tough guy shit. You know, like Ben, just my old man, push him around and just beat him up like, you know, like a school kid. Um, but I was I was very bothered by by how Jake Paul spoke to Ben Askren. It really, really bothered me. Um, I, I'm not I'm not some soft guy that, right, right. you know, uh, that can't handle some trash talk. But I feel like if you're a guy like Jake Paul and you're sitting in a room with Ben Ashkin, that that's a man you respect. Yeah. You know, like I think in the, you know, in, in terms of the UFC, like I've accomplished more than Ben Ashkin. You know, I've won more fights. I've done a lot more in the UFC. Not so much in combat sports, obviously he's a multiple time world champion, right, right. incredible wrestler, but like in the UFC. Um and when Ben Ashkin walks in, it's it's very it's one of those things where you're very respectful, shake his hand. You you kind of let Ben Ashkin have kind of rule, you know, he rules the roost a little bit. Because I just respect him. Yeah. I respect what he's done. I just respect his wrestling game, um, the time he's put in the sport, the, the amount of fights he went undefeated. So, like, if a guy like me backs up and if Ben Ashman walks through, I will walk. I will back up and let him walk in front of me. Yeah. Like, I'll get out of his way. Right. So, for me to be feel like that with Ben Ashman to see, you know, this this nerdy kid Jake Paul kind of just disrespect him really really bothered me. Yeah, and you know the thing too is. Uh... Yeah, I'm not much of a street fighter. I don't get into shit like that. I've never been one one to do that stuff. But if someone put their hand in my face, 
the last thing yeah. I would do is slap their ass for sure. And that might just, <laughs> that might just be a thing for him. But it, it told me that he didn't know what to do. And he kind of panicked a little bit and, and tried to like look aggressive and look cool, but like didn't know how to handle it. Um, right. And the, and the question becomes, he's wearing big gloves for this fight compared to what Ben's been getting hit with when he's fought tough guys like Robbie Lawler and, and Douglas Lima, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And he's, first of all, Ben finds a way to win and he finds a way to not get hit. The knee's a freak thing. We can't take that into consideration, you know, especially right. in this fight. Um, so what happens if he can't knock him out? Now, I do think he has the ability to land a punch. He, I think he's powerful, and he could knock Ben out. There's a possibility it could happen. Um, but I think Ben's going to have the cardio and at least the mental fortitude from his, you know, who, who, who he's fought, how many times he's fought, his Olympic you know, background, his wrestling background. He's going to be stronger mentally that when his body does give out, he's going to continue on. He's not going to break down. And if it comes to a point where he gets just as frustrated like, or, or confused, like when Ben just put his hand in his face, what's he going to do when Ben is clinchy on him, wearing him down, grinding him out, and, and gets him panicked in the fight? So that, that made me also think like if Ben fights a smart fight, he, he could easily win this fight even though it's not, I think, going to be a pretty fight. It's not going to be a boxing fight. But I think he could definitely, because all, all Jake can do, you know, as this fight gets longer and longer is question himself. You know what I mean? He's never been against a real fighter. He's never been the distance. So he can only, and, and you only get confident when you've done those things. You know, as a fighter, when I was coming mm -hmm. up, I never got confident until I accomplished certain tasks during the fight, until I lasted the whole time and I, and, I, and I sucked it up and I dug deep or I got big knockouts against guys I didn't think I could knock out. That's what built my confidence. It wasn't guys around me telling me you're going to do this and you're going to do that. You have to figure that out on your own. So I have to assume he's going to be very confused if he doesn't knock him out and it could cause panic and it could cause him to decline in the fight. Yeah. You, well, Ben's been there so many times. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really honestly like, I, I hope Ben wins, but at the end of the day, I don't really have a dog in that fight. So I just want to see a good fight, but I really want to see Jake's face like getting drug into some deep rounds. Yeah. And that's a good test. You know, he's, he's, he's fairly new in the sport. So like he's, he's learning boxing. Like Ben doesn't box. So like he's going to throw a jab and, and expect Ben Askren to react a certain way. And he's not going to. You know, he's going to he's going to throw a body shot and, and he's going to want to roll under the left hook that's coming, but it's not coming. So uh, I don't I don't know what he thinks he's getting himself into, but it's very different. Again, like you said, he, he could go in there and, and catch Ben and put him down and, you know, maybe Ben's chin is shot and maybe it's not. But I won't use the the, you know, the Masvidal knee against him because anybody's going to go down to that. So and he took every shot Robbie Lawler gave him. Yeah. So I brutal. I mean, if you can look at that as, oh, Ben got his ass beat by Robbie Lawler, or you could look at it as yeah, get knocked out. that dude took every shot from one of the hardest hitting hammers in this sport and still ended up winning that fight. Yeah. So I don't think for a second that Jake Paul hits any harder than Robbie Lawler does. So especially and with the bigger, bigger gloves, gloves. Yeah. And, and, and Robbie Lawler is a better box. I mean, what would Robbie Lawler do to Jake Paul? You know, like that's what I try to tell people like, he did, you know, Robbie Lawler did beat his ass, but what would Robbie Lawler do to Jake Paul? Yeah. He would, he would murder that Absolutely. kid. So Ben was in there on his feet with him the entire time that whole flurry was going and still, and still got a W. So, uh, I'm excited for Ben. Uh, again, he's one of those guys. I, I hope he's getting paid well. He, you know, he kind of got the short end of the stick, got to the UFC late, had a couple tough, you know, a couple tough draws and, and didn't really go his way. So, um, I hope he's getting a big old fat paycheck. Uh, and he's getting, he's getting some shine. Ben Ashkin always finds a way to the spotlight somehow. Yeah. yeah. Even after he's retired, just real quick on this one though, Logan Paul Mayweather, what, what do you think? It's just, it's Mayweather that, trying to get paid. That's man, crazy, and, and right? Take a loss. Yeah. It's just a, it's a smash match. I mean, I think that the Jake Paul fight versus Ben Askren is, is at least a fight I'll watch and, and, and there's a, a good reason to watch it. But I mean, the Logan Paul Mayweather, it's like, I don't even really care that much. No, I won't, I won't even watch it. It's kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Hamza is coming back, um, saying he's going to smash everybody. Do you, as far as, I'm going to ask you this now. Um, he's got a lot of hype and he's done really well, but he hasn't beat a top guy. What are your thoughts on, on that per se? I mean, he obviously has a potential, um, but to be so confident as he is, like I said, you kind of got to gain that confidence by winning those fights. What, what, how, what do you think about him in general? Like what he's done so far and, and, and how far do you think he's going to go or what it's going to take to prove himself? If, if he's even a fraction as good as I've heard he is from other guys in the rooms, uh, he'll go far. If he's, if he's half as good as, as people say he is, 
Um, it's been a long time since I've heard anybody talk about someone that we really haven't seen do anything real big like that in the UFC, like at a high level. You know, it, it's been a long time since I heard anybody talk about someone like they do, Chimaev. So I hope he's as good as they say he is. Um, but he's going to have to prove that. And at 170, he's going to have plenty of opportunities, that's for sure. So, you know, it, he did exactly – if he's as good as they say he is, he did. A, he's, done, he's doing exactly to those guys what he should be doing to them. Right. So, so far he's passing those tests. You know, I heard about it and then they said, you know, he's going to fight Gerald Mearshart. I remember thinking, well, if he's that good, he better stomp that dude. Yeah. And it was, you know, the first shot he landed put, put Mearshart out. And that dude's pretty tough. He's a kind of a grizzled veteran, been around a long time. So uh, that guy can usually find a way to stay in there. So – uh, I'm excited about it though. I'm I'm glad that he's feeling better from the whole COVID ordeal and and he's back in there. Um, I, I I but I've heard a lot of talking and I'm excited to see uh, from him specifically. He he has he has no has no problem telling you how good he thinks he is. Yeah. So it's okay to talk like that if you back it up. So uh, I hope that they get him in there with someone pretty tough. And I think he's going about this. We were talking about the John Jones situation. I think he's going the right way and building the hype yeah. along with winning the fights. That's going to give him the most money. I think. Hundred percent. No, I think he's doing everything right. Um, you know, he was training in Sweden with a lot of those guys, and and you know, if you actually go back and listen to some of Gus's old interviews, that dude talked about him pretty highly even back then. But we kind of just blew it off, like, yeah. oh, it's another top, you know, it's another top five guy to- trying to get a teammate over. Um, turns out he's actually that good, I guess. Yeah. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys i know everybody wants to go to thailand because thailand's so cool but you can't come to thailand without coming to aka thailand come on so masvidal's fighting usman again uh he's gonna have a full camp this time he took a short notice fight um you know i kind of i kind of lean towards the first time that masvidal did have some of the tools to beat Usman. Usman's one of those guys that he's, you know, he's arguably one of the greatest, and he's definitely the, the, the champ, and he's the greatest of the division right now. But it seems like I do see holes in his game, but nobody can capitalize, which is why I think Kobe might be the best in the division. Just he's just not the champ. I mean, he he, he got beat fair and square. Um, Masvidal does have some of those unorthodox ways to get in and land those things. But do you think with the full camp is going to make much difference? Or do you think it's going to be the same fight again? I, I don't, man. I don't. And, and again, uh, I hate. I have to say this. I'm a huge Masvidal fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm a. I'm a big fan of that guy. Really, he's doing. He's doing everything right. Um, he just doesn't have the wrestling threat that that you need to have to beat a guy like Usman, Colby, uh, and even Tyron. You know, when he was in his prime, uh, those are the those are the guys that are going to give, um, Usman some. I don't know, a little bit of pause because he. Right. Usman doesn't have a choice. Like he, it doesn't matter. Usman's not taking down Colby Covington. She's just not going to. Right. He doesn't even have that option. And and that that's what that's where you're going to start giving Kamaru Usman some problems if if you take away one tool completely. And I think his his wrestling is his biggest tool. If you take that away, you start giving him some problems. If if you took Masvidal's style, and then threw in Colby Covington's takedown defense, now you got a dude that uh, probably beats up Kamaru Usman, but. You know that then you go back to the Colby fight. The wrestling kind of, you know, like the, neither one of those guys really attempt any takedowns because they know exactly what's going to happen there. Right. So they're they're just going to get tired. So then then it's just a striking battle. And then you you know you seen Usman at at least then had some problems there. You know Colby with, with his volume and and you know people hate Colby, but that dude can fight. You know yeah. he he's he's got the mentality. He's got the it's good, uh, and he's just old fashioned tough. So. You know, credit to Usman, he was in there in some bad, in some real bad situations. I think he was losing every round uh, until he, uh, you know, got the finish. So, uh, you you might be right. Colby might be the best guy in the division. So, uh, I I just think that Usman's going to kind of do what he did to 
Masvidal the first time, the same thing he did to uh, Tyron Woodley. It's going to be a lot of holding him up against the fence, Man. grinding him out, getting him tired, forcing him to defend those takedowns, hitting the big punches on his way out and then getting right back in. And that's exactly what you should do versus a guy like Masvidal. Yeah. Uh, you, anybody in the division would be silly to stand in front of him uh, for any amount of time because, like you said, he's tricky. He he finds a way to those big shots. He's very creative. Uh, he's fearless. So uh, I, I do see it going the same way. I just I, I just you know at at, at Masvidal's age uh, too, and yeah. his skill set up to this point, he just doesn't have enough time to to, to close that hole. Yeah, and I think Habib said, and I believe him too, you only have one prime, you know? So it's like once you're out of that prime, it's hard to get back to that prime. You may be good again. You may win some fights, but getting back to your prime is just something that you, you have one time. Um, and then the Colby thing, the reason I said that was because, you know, Colby was winning the fight or winning a lot of the rounds as well. Um, and then he got caught legitimately. You can't take that away from Usman, but he broke his jaw. I mean, the fact how tough that guy is. I mean, he fought with a broken jaw. Um He's a tough guy, and if he didn't get his jaw broke and, and a couple of those shots didn't land, I think Kobe is the guy to beat him. Whether he does it or not, time will tell. I do think he is the guy to beat him. So, um, yeah, that's just my opinion on that. And then also, I, I just had Diego Sanchez on the show. Uh, we just posted it last night, but he's fighting Cowboy. What, what are your thoughts on that fight? They've had like 94 fights between them. It's a fight that you've always wanted to see. Whoa. I mean, it's a great, great fight. But with those guys, you know, I think uh, I think uh, Cowboy's on like a four-fight loose streak and then he's had a no contest diego's at the end of his career it's his retirement fight i love the fight i just don't want to see them hurt themselves and it's like they're both those kind of guys that's going to go in there and, and beat the hell out of each other and it's a great fight that could have happened anytime in the last 10 years but um what's your overall thoughts on the fight as far as a prediction and then also um just them having that fight now being this their last fight or at least one of their last fights and they're they're a lot older than they were when they were in the prime fighting the perfect match of a just carnage fight yeah, yeah. I'm, those are two guys you've always wanted to see fight. Yeah. Obviously, I'm. This maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm. I'm glad they're fighting each other, versus somebody True. else in the division. True. You know, someone that's younger and and that's in their prime, that's more dangerous, that's faster, that's stronger, that you know, one of these young savages. I guess I'd rather that they were fighting each other and 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 having those fights that are closer to where you are in your, you know, in your career and, and closer to your age. And, and, you know, I think it's both for, it's great for both guys. I think everyone's wanted to see it. I do wish that it was a long time ago. Um, so we could kind of see them both in their prime versus each other. I do think that Cowboys probably got a little more left in the tank right now. Um, but I do see Cowboy doing a lot of stuff right now. You know, I, I definitely, I follow him on social media. Um, he's got a lot of other things going on right now that doesn't look like a lot of fighting. So, um, I hope that he's, you know, that he's focused because if you're not, Diego will beat you, you know, like we can say all we want about him and his crazy coach and, and all that stuff. You know, I actually kind of went down a rabbit hole, uh, with Diego, um, or with his, like kind of his recent interviews and stuff with his, you know, his coach and man, I, I mean, I, I hope Diego doesn't hear this, but I, I just, it's really sad. It's really sad. I, feel like Diego could be in a better position right now, you know, surrounded by some better people and maybe by someone who really, really cares about him. Um, and who, you know, if that was the case, maybe he wouldn't be fighting. Um, but if he was going to fight, I I feel like he could be around some people that could put him in better positions to keep himself safe and, and, and actually win some fights and, you know, some, I don't know, manager that was putting him in, you know, in fights like with cowboy, like this one, I don't have a lot of problems with, you know, it's an older guy kind of on a skid, um, not in his prime, you know, cowboy's not out here murking dudes right now. You know, he's, he's, he's won some fights, you know, in the last handful of years, but, um, not in devastating fashion, like guys like Michael Pahea and those kind of guys that Diego just fought. So, um, Man, I love Diego. I love Cowboy. Um, I do find myself very much leaning to to wanting to like pull Diego in and and I don't want to say help him, but I don't know. He's always kind of been a strange guy, and he kind of always does his own thing and lives his life the way that he wants to. But um, I do very much feel like Diego's being taken advantage of a little bit right now, and and it that does bother me, and I'd feel guilty if I didn't say that. Yeah, and, and I love Diego and. He's a true fighter. Uh, we, we were roommates together on Tough One. You know, that changed the sport. You know, we had a great time. How was that? 
Yeah, it was interesting. We had no idea at that time. We thought it was going to get canceled. You know, I thought it was going to get canceled. My goal was to get in the UFC. That's it. I hated those games. Yeah. I hated playing games. I was, I was so happy when we got to fight. I was always telling Dana, let's just fight. Can we just fight? You know, the games, this is like real world. You know, they've done this. Let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. And they had no plans to fight at the beginning. It was going to be those games until the finale. And it was going to be more of a tournament, not of a tournament, but it was going to be more of a bracket kind of thing at the end. And then we were going to fight. So yeah. I'm glad they changed it. And, and we ended up fighting. And, and we found out coming to the gym one day for training, we saw the corner chairs outside and they were getting painted. Uh, the colors. Yeah. So we saw yeah. that and we're like, wait a minute, why would they be pointing or painting corner chairs? And then we kind of figured it out and they made the announcement and we started fighting. But, um, you know, he was on my show uh, a couple of days ago. We posted last night. I love Diego. No disrespect to him or Joshua, whatever the case. But I think, uh, you know, the, in the middle of the interview, I think I had an hour interview with Diego and then Joshua took over and it was literally an hour of Joshua and I didn't say a word. I didn't ask a question or say a word. It seems like he has a lot of stuff he wants to say. He's using Diego kind of as a platform. And I think the focus should be on Diego. Right. And I think if he's going to go on my podcast and, and take half the podcast to, to, get, to make his points, which weren't necessarily about Diego, weren't necessarily about the, the, um, his program and all that stuff that I asked him about, it seems like his focus might not also be on Diego as much. And again, I hate to disrespect someone that was on the podcast. I enjoyed hearing what he had to say. You know, he said a lot of things and, uh, he, you know, he got his, his points out there and it tells a lot about him and it tells a lot about Diego. Um, but I think Diego, the focus needs to be on him, especially at this time for this fight. And it, it seemed like, right. you know, the focus was more on the points that he wanted to make politically than it, than it was on Diego and his preparation and, you know, so that and for that reason, I kind of agree with Here, you. Here's something. Here, here's something he does in his interviews that I just noticed it the other day. I'm such a student of the game, man. I just yeah. dig in deep to a lot of different stuff. But he does this thing when he's talking, and I can always tell that anything he says before that is all bullshit, because he'll he'll talk and he'll say something that just we all know doesn't make any sense, and he'll go, "You understand? Like, no, I don't. Yeah, because you're crazy. None of this shit makes any damn sense, and no one cares." about what you're talking about. That's what bothers me. Like, no one gives a shit about you. We only know who you are because of Diego. And, and that gets lost a little yeah. bit. D Diego is the superstar. He's the legend. He's the Hall of Famer that everyone cares about. And I feel like he's got someone by his side. And you know, I think that's credit to Diego, too. Like, he's such a sweet individual that he just sees the best in everybody or he wants to see the best in everybody. And I think sometimes he's blinded by it, you know, that he just wants to look, look into people's hearts. And, and sometimes I think Diego sees stuff that other people don't see. Uh, sometimes that's good. You can see some great things in some people that maybe is hidden. But sometimes I think you want to see some stuff that isn't there. Yeah. So, again, I don't want to I'm not going to you know, I've already you know, if you guys want to <laughs> you want to hear me wig out about no, I get it. Uh, Joshua, you can, <laughs> I get it's it. out there. I've done it a lot. So um, I've, de I've definitely done it a bunch. So. You know, that's, that's how we look at it as far as the fight goes to take it back to that. I just um, I, I just hope it's as good as we want it to be without them getting hurt. You know, yeah. like I think there's a way they can have a super exciting fight that's back and forth and super competitive. Um, but if I'm being very honest, I think that I think Cowboys just got more left. Yeah. You know, I think that I don't think Diego's going to get him and he's not going to have an easy time taking him down. I think that, he, you know, is even even an old broken down tired cowboy can can outstrike diego from distance so um i just hope he backs off on the head kicks a little bit yeah i love them both and, and i hope i hope the better man wins you know i hope it comes down to that and if cowboy's not doing what he's supposed to be doing then then that should show in the fight if diego is it should show or maybe diego's not listening more to joshua and doing his keeping his focus on other things so i think i think the fight's going to show a lot and and i think and i do believe that the best man will win for sure um and and we'll see what happens when that happens uh two quick things real fast the tough is coming back tough ultimate fighter uh 29 i think 135 185 um if you were the boss just real quick if you were the boss of, of tough and and the producer and it was up to you how to do it um I'm biased saying the first season was the best, even though we, I don't think that was done the correct way either. I think, you know, we played games way too long. A lot of us got injured playing the games. They didn't show that. But uh, um, what would you do or what would you like to see in this new season that would make it better than, than what we've seen in the, in the later seasons since season one or even including? Um, well, I, you know, I think I think everyone wants to see more fights. You know, I, I, I would think I always thought it would be cool to, to, to find a way to have you know, there's always like the, you know, the guys that lose and then 
you know, someone falls out, then there can be a guy that stayed, you know, that uh, can come in and fight. I would like to see the guys that lose be able to fight. So, like, you can have instead of just the winners fighting the winners, let's find let's find a way to have the guys that did lose on the, on the show. Like, instead of having one fight at the end of every show, or sometimes it's two, depending on how many weight classes it is. Um, I think it'd be cool to like have almost like a fight card. Like, if you got right. two weight classes, you have two fights of of guys that are tr- that are going in the winners bracket. Let's let's fight some of these guys that have lost, and then give them an opportunity to show. Because you know, like like Chris Camozzi was on. Uh, I don't remember what season he was on, but uh, one of my teammates uh, in Denver, and I think he was the best guy in the season. But he he got clipped and and hurt hurt his jaw really bad in the fight. So he, like he didn't have an opportunity. Like the best guy didn't win that season. Uh, no no disrespect to Court McGee. I love that guy. Yeah. But I think that's the season Court McGee won. Court McGee wasn't the best 85er on that on that show. I know that for a fact. And those two have trained together recently. And Court McGee's not the better guy out of those two. So um, I I think that I think doing that you'd be able to see something. In this sport is so hard to be perfect on that one day that it matters. You know like. It's what makes John Jones and Khabib so great because even on the days they had terrible days, they found a way to win. So uh, I, I think it would be – I think you build more stars that way because yeah. you get a guy that loses in the first fight of the you know, the show. He could be the first guy out, but yeah. then he could fight all the way through and beat everybody else. You know, He may be the second best guy in the show, and we would never have known that. Yeah, and I'm not saying this to be cocky. In fact, I'll back up a little bit and uh, – and mention a, a, another unfortunate part of my career before I get into the story, but just related to the story, and it should be inspirational. Um, when I was on the show, I lost. You know, I lost Stephen Bonner. So the only fight I had on the show, I lost. And getting on the show, I lost in a, a WC championship fight against uh, Chris Lieben. So that was my first professional loss. Dana was there. Somehow from Dana watching me lose a championship fight against uh, Chris Lieben, I managed to get on the Ultimate Fighter from that. I have no idea how. Um, then I went on the Ultimate Fighter and I lost as well. So my only fight on the Ultimate Fighter, I actually lost in the 205 division, but still I lost, whatever. I had to take whatever they, they mm-hmm. gave me. Um, but they had everyone fight. Every single person fought on the finale, whether they lost or not. I then won five fights in a row, including beating David Loazzo, becoming the number one contender. And I was set to fate Ander- or face Anderson Silva until I took the fight uh, in Texas because it was my hometown against Yushin Okami and dropped the decision to him. So it's like... Right. Like you said, you know, I, I won five straight fights in the UFC after losing on the Ultimate Fighter uh, in the first round, the end of the first round uh, by uh, submission. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. And, and I think it doesn't just because you lose one fight on that show doesn't mean you have you don't have potential to, to, to still make it and stuff. And I agree with you. So just, just a little. Uh, well, I, I, th- I think the I think the fans and the, the people watching at home, the, the demographic that the UFC is trying to capture um, is, is it's new fans. They're trying to get new fans. So. I think the new people watching assume that the first guy that loses is probably the worst guy on the show. That's, that's kind of the insinuation that people get. And that's not the case. Nope. Uh, It may be. I'm like, maybe he is one of them because he's the first one now. He just (laughs) might be the, he might just not be the best guy on the show. Um, But he could be the best guy on the show and just had a bad day. And I think that the guys deserve that opportunity to at least. So maybe you end up four and one or five and one on the show. You're moving into the UFC uh, with some experience, some wins over some good dudes, and it gives you. An, and maybe that's the way you fight your way in. You lose, but if you you can fight your way in through the kind of through the losers bracket, I guess. Yeah, and someone has to fight the winner of the show the first time, and, and it's like you know mm-hmm. if you if you yeah. if you have a tough fight against him, maybe possibly almost win but lose, and you're out, and he beats everyone else clearly, then you're you're a close second, if not possibly even better, and just had a bad night. So I agree with you 100 percent right. on that. Um, lastly. Uh, sorry to keep you so long, but this one's kind of a big headline for me. You, sir, have a fight coming up as well. Uh, Jimmy Chute. Chute is how you say his last name? Crute. Crute. I'm, I'm horrible with names. Yep. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's riding a win streak, and, and he's got a good record. What is your training like for this fight? Um, your mentality? Are you doing anything different? Uh, i got to get uh, some talk about your fight, too, obviously. Yeah. You know, you know, I wasn't necessarily super excited about this fight when I first got it, but it was, it, it was more so because I didn't really know Jimmy Crew, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I knew who he was. I recognized if he walked in a room, I'd know who he was, but um, I just never really watched him fight. Um, he, he's fought on a lot of prelims and, and fights that I'd missed, and they just weren't like super exciting or crazy knockouts or anything like that that we rehashed. So, um, you know, as I started digging into him, I started getting really excited. Yeah. Like, man, this He's is good. This is my type of guy. Yeah. Like he, 
he engages the fight everywhere. He's yep. young. He's 24 years old. He's strong. He's powerful. He believes in himself and kind of, he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a specialist, so he's not hiding anywhere. You know, he's not like a great grappler that doesn't really want to strike. So he's just going to be attacking you on the, you know, trying to take you down the whole time. He's not a, you know, terrible grappler or he's not a terrible grappler and they just only wants to strike. So he'll engage, he'll engage the fight anywhere. He'll, he'll, he'll get it. He'll fight in the pocket. He'll throw kicks from range. He'll, you know, if he sees a takedown, you know, he'll, he's a reactive kind of takedown guy. Mm -hmm. Um, super confident in his grappling, you know, very, very explosive. Not a, I wouldn't say he's a technical grappler, but he's one of those guys you get inside control and just explodes and rolls you over. He's, he's like that guy. Yeah. Um, I think that he's, I think that he's confident and, 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 you know, believes in himself enough to get himself in trouble. I'm not necessarily sure he's technical enough to get himself out of it. Um, but I'm excited about it. I, I, I have to grind because I'm, I'm his title fight, you know, and, and it's taken me a while to have to, to realize that, you know, I was always like, why am I just getting these monsters? Like these guys that, you know, they don't really tend to fight that hard or, or you get, you can get them out of there. But you know, when they, they're against me, it's like, a, it's like they're different, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, my coach said, well, you're, you're these guys' title fight. Yeah. This is, this is it for them. So, <laughs> you know, I had to kind of change my own mentality and look at them like a title fight. So, um, it's been fun. I, I just got back from uh, North Carolina. I went out there. Uh, Chris Weidman moved to North Carolina, so I've been training with him. Nice. I think I think Chris Weidman is the original Jimmy Crew. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been uh it's been really fun. It, I'm really impressed. Like I've trained with Weidman a little bit, like drilled and you know gotten quick workouts in together, but I've never like spent a lot a long period of time training with him. That guy is good. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> like, he's good. He's really good. He's really good. Like he. Like I've always known Chris is a black belt, but I always, I don't, and I love Chris, but I always assumed he's a great, he's a great grappler. He probably shuts down every black belt in the world, you know, with his wrestling and top game. Uh, I don't think Chris started in top position with me the entire time I was there. Starts from his back, plays butterfly guard, uh, looking to sweep, attacking leg locks. I was like, holy hell, this dude is really good. Um, you know, we've kind of seen him struggle a little bit, so. Uh, you know, he's been clipped and put out, you know, Yoel put him down and yeah. Jacques Ray put it, you know, knocked him out. So then I'm, then we're sparring. Dude's impossible to hit. You know, yeah, he, he moves, he moves really well. He's got a little bit of, he's got a little underboy in him. Train a lot, to, uh, a lot together, which is a stance a lot. Uh, I'm really excited for his fight. He's fighting on the same card as me and Jimmy. So, yeah. um, that was really good. He's, he's got a big group of, uh, got a big group of like division one, all Americans, uh, that are, that have transitioned to MMA, just a bunch of savages. So, uh, we spent some time in Gastonia, North Carolina. There's not a lot there, but it's got a little honey hole of just monsters. So that was a good switch up for me just to, to get in that grinding mindset with all these young dudes in the gym, just coming at me. And, um, again, super respectful dudes, but they don't give a shit who I am. Right. You know, they're coming to take my head off in the gym. So it was a good, it was a good reminder of like what I have coming for me. Um, I head out to Denver tomorrow to go back with Mark and, uh, and then I'm going to spend one more week with Chris. Uh, I thought that that was a really, really good thing, uh, to go out there and just, I don't know, switch it up and see new people and, you know, different bodies and people move different. And, um, it's just, a like a Chris Weidman gym and a factory X are very different. Yeah. Um, factory X mark is very super technical. Um, everything's really clean, super structured, like everything's in a system, uh, down there with Chris. There is a system. It's very structured, but the system is pretty much grab that body and break it. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's kind of how Jimmy Crew fights. And um, so it's been really good. I'm really, really fortunate. Uh, really fortunate Chris, you know, had me out. And uh, I think that's something I'm going to continue to keep doing. Nice. Thanks for the insight on that with uh, Weidman because I agree with you. And is it too strategic to give a prediction or at least a goal no, for the fight? No, I, 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 don't, I honestly don't. I don't know how it's going to go. And that's why yeah. it's so fun for me. We've had to get away from game plans, uh, essentially since I fought John. Um, I'm such a reactive and like instinctual fighter. There's too much of a game plan. Uh, it kind of takes my creativity away. Right, um, right. I think my. I've always said that my instincts are almost always right. Right. Almost every time, like in, in that moment, like the, my first thought is usually right. So, but if we're game planning like super super heavy and it's really structured as far as like how we're going to approach the fight, I don't usually do so well because I have to think to, if I just fight and off of instincts, I usually do pretty well. So 
since since John Jones, we've kind of just gotten away from that. And, and really, really, this fight, there's not really anything Jimmy does we really have to worry about. Like, just have to attack, just address it. You know, maybe his leg kicks just because, you know, I'm, there's no secret that I've taken a lot of leg kicks in my career. And my legs just don't take them as well as they used to. Right. So I have to be. I have to be much more mindful of, of the leg kicks, specifically the calf kicks. Yes. Um, and I think Hector Hector Lombard hit me with 30-plus leg kicks in one fight. Oh. Um, Ozdemir hit me with a lot of leg kicks, 20-plus uh, in one fight. Like, you, like over time, your yeah, legs just aren't going to take them. And, and I'm, sure. I'm not old by any means, but I got a lot of miles and, <laughs> and taking a lot of kicks. So that's like the one thing. But I think we would be like that with anybody, not necessarily yeah. just Jimmy Croup. So um, other than that, I'm just going to go in and fight. I suspect that he's going to get tired pretty quickly. Um, I, I tend to do that to people. I just kind of get in their face and, and put a lot of pressure. And he'll probably want to fight in the clinch and, and, and kind of look for takedowns and stuff like that to, 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 to rest. And I think that that's, that's probably where he's going to get himself into trouble. I'm, I feel like I'm much more dangerous in the clinch than he is. Uh, and, and I'm just just a lot of levels above him on the ground. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe something dirty in the clinch and, and I'm sure we'll end up in a grappling exchange and probably catch him somewhere there. That's what I, if I had to take a guess, that's where it would be. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for the insight. And man, thank you so much for so much time that you gave me for the show. And you know, when I, when I decided to do this headline show, you were the first guy that I thought of because you're so insightful. So, uh, I know I didn't, I didn't plan to go this long. I'm very sorry. Uh, I drug it on so long. I'm trying <laughs> to keep the show around 30, 45 minutes, but, uh, when I got someone like you on there, man, and, and you seem like you're doing okay, I, I don't want to stop it. So I appreciate you giving me so much time. And, and, and you always have. And I would love to, to catch up with you before this fight. I promise you it'll be short, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just to get an update on your fight camp, I promise. Um, but thank you so much for coming back on the show and, and, and giving me so much information, man. You're very open and uh, analytical as always. No, no worries, man. I have a good time. I could, I never have any problems talking about fights. I could do that shit all day. So, uh, yeah, let's catch up. Let's catch up before, uh, before we go. Maybe, uh, I don't know what your week looks like, but, I mean, fight weeks are usually pretty dead for me. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe the week of the fight, I'll let you know how, how fight week's going. And I'm sure the COVID protocols will be different, too. So that'd be kind of cool with all the fans and stuff. So, yeah, let's do it. Even just like a 15, 20-minute uh, catch-up during your fight week, that'd be amazing. Just to see how things are going, see yeah, how you feel. Perfect. I'd love it. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in, man, for sure. Thank you so much, Anthony. I look forward to your fight. Good luck. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Swig!